My Very Strange Neighbor, and My Very Unsightly Back, by Matt Herzberg. Somewhere once, in a city that forgot to stay clean. Once there was this very filthy woman who lived in a very filthy apartment, in a very filthy building, at the very end of the filthiest street you'd ever seen. I lived there as well with my dad, but I was the cleanest one, I swear. She was my very strange and very dirty neighbor, this very filthy woman, I mean. She was that special kind of messy, the kind that seemingly produced its own disgusting film or glaze, a gravy-like stuff that got stuck on your skin whenever she touched you, the kind of grime that one wears like a second set of goose pimples, which stinks of old earwax and burnt hair soaked in urine or something. Which I discovered on the very first day we moved in, because she lived right above us. She made sure to introduce herself by insisting we shake hands. That's how it happened. Her stench, her slime. It was like something died. It seemed to just keep and it kept quite a bit no matter how many times i washed my hands i just couldn't get that disgusting stuff off and i washed my hands a lot just saying so is all her name was keeny me keely and when we first met well, i thought that it was birthmarks the crap on her face she looked like a rat wrangler if you can picture such a thing her hair was like a nest, and she always seemed to have, well, crap on her face, or at least what looked like crap to me, and my eyes were as good as any. Sure, it could have been raisins or melted licorice candy or mud, I suppose, but to me it seemed like there were creatures living in her hair, filthy creatures, and they must be using her face as a toilet when she wasn't paying attention which must have been routine, because how else does one explain that kind of a mess? Every time we ran into each other thereafter, I swear that whatever it was, that globby, puffy dribble was moving, not floating, not inching or smearing or dripping. It was like suddenly noticing that the crap on her face had moved when I wasn't looking, but only slightly. One would really never know unless they were paying close attention. I couldn't get it out of my head for days, so I couldn't stop watching. Slowly creeping crap. Crap on her face. Also, she was always dressed disheveled and must, wearing old, worn-out, and faded clothing and sporting a pair of large glasses that took up way too much room on her face. She always seemed to look as if she had just climbed out of a dumpster, and maybe that's where she found them. The creatures that must be living in her hair. The creatures that must be micturating down her neck and defecating across her cheeks as she slept. So much and so often that she could never get clean. Not even if she were to shower 24-7, which is what I thought she was always doing anyways, because she was always singing up there. Singing like she was always taking a shower. 
I assure you, however, that she most certainly never gained ground on her struggle with cleanliness. Her tunes always sounded like they came from the bathroom, bouncing from tiled floors and walls, and then bounding down into the pipe somehow. And all I could hear was this shrill, nasally, chanting, shrieking, and screeching. Not something pleasant. Not something you could actually enjoy listening to. And it just seemed to happen whenever I turned on the faucets. The sound would increase and decrease as I twisted the old spiral heads from left to right. My dad said that it was just old pipes. But I knew better. Better because I could hear it coming from directly above me. Besides, my dad was never around, always at work or out late doing who knows what, so he wouldn't know for sure anyway. This was my very strange neighbor, by the way, in which I'm currently speaking of. The one I would eventually rely upon for help, if you can believe it. That one strange, filthy chick. The one with the crap on her face. Anyways, it was my unsightly back that just wouldn't quit. That was the means that brought us together. That's right, my unsightly lower back, which just seemed to stretch on forever somehow. A real emergency if you ask me, and it had to be dealt with and quickly. The problem was that it just wouldn't quit. My back had twisted and stretched and elongated, albeit slowly, and when I wasn't paying attention. I'm not sure how it happened exactly. One day it seemed like whenever I looked over my shoulder, my back didn't come to a full and honest completion. If I tried to turn quickly while examining myself in the mirror, it seemed as though it took a little bit longer for my bottom to catch up to my top. It was as if my unsightly back had grown a mound of extra flesh. It felt like spare cartilage, fat and muscle it formed perhaps some pus as well, to give it just the right jiggle when I attempted to poke it at plenty. With the dull head of a dried-up ballpoint pen, I gave it a solemn and honest near-scientific test, a series of pokes, a regimen of jabs, and even a couple of squirming pinches with the help of two fingers. In bed, I swear I was partially raised and practically hovering, propped up as if there might be an extra pillow caught underneath me, or that my clothes felt like there was a bunch or a knot, a wad of flesh that grew innocuously at first without my notice, until it got so big that it couldn't be missed, staring back at me in the mirror while I was engaged deeply in my routine morning inspection. I nearly swallowed my tongue that day when I first noticed. The shock was that great. When I turned with my arms up in the air, there it was, my unsightly back that just wouldn't quit. Sure I know that I still have my legs, that my feet still stay on the ground nice and flat, but my back, my back, my unsightly back, it is simply too much. I swear that it is. So this very strange neighbor of mine whose quest to be clean has never been answered, this neighbor whose apartment is covered in straps and lashes and old garbage bags, 
who dresses in splotchy stained sweaters and patched up slacks, whom balances the end of a long, thin, needle-like nose with a pair of oversized black-framed glasses. She hears me down here, crashing around while I knock things over. It's really from all the twisting and contorting. My attempts to be certain that my bulging, fleshy, corpulent lower back was what it was, and what I thought it might be. That's when I hurt myself. The unsightly back wins, and I'm caught in mid-spasm and in pain. It started with a crick, a crick and a crack, a pain so great that it surely sent me sprawling down to the old wooden floor that smelled faintly like old oil soap. There I would lay, all flat on my face and practically paralyzed, suffering from stiffness and pain. It felt as though there were a thousand bald bogglers standing on each other's shoulders, with the bottom one planting the bare bottoms of his rough-surfaced bunions directly into my unending back. I laid there in mid-spasm for the better part of a day until the afternoon when my dad came in to find me. This was embarrassing. An embarrassing situation, to say the least. One that I didn't care to talk much about. My dad found me sprawled out on the floor when I asked him to open the door to the room and see if he wanted to come in. You should see Keeney, said my dad, though I refused to describe what was happening to me. She's good with backs and joints and stuff like that. Good how exactly, I wanted to know. Is she licensed? Is she practiced? Is she reputable? Well, I don't know anything about those kind of things, scoffed my dad after helping me to my feet. But if you want to feel better, he told me, you'll call up to her. Which is exactly what I had to do, call up to her, because I was miserable and ridden and couldn't move or do much. So I opened up the faucets and pulled out all the stuffing from all the pipes. I dared to listen to her insufferable howling that would be called singing, waiting for her to stop between breaths so that I might start calling. What's that? I hear her say when she hears what I have to tell her. I've been hunched over the sink, serenading with painful groans and echoes into my scummy old faucet head like it was a starlight microphone and I was a mangled lounge crooner lamenting the end of a revived career. I like it, she says. I like it very much. I'll be down there at once. Her exuberance probably comes from a dire need to gain my approval, as I can't imagine someone so horridly filthy gets many social calls. My neighbor, Keeney, helps me into her filthy apartment, and she's bent me over an exam table of sorts, probably some rummage she found in her alley scavenging trips. She puts me down like I was just delicate laundry, folded and neat. How she got me upstairs, I'll leave that to the imagination, but I'll add that I've been using a new diet recently of apple cores and boiled plum pits and chicken broth, so when you imagine this, picture me lithe and skinny and easy to carry. She replaced her large spectacles 
with a set of high-powered goggles, which she extended from her eyeballs like the disgusting antenna of some wretched insect. She had tools as well, ready and waiting for an impromptu surgery. Sitting off to the side was an old plastic fast food tray. There were points to prod and clubs to bludgeon, edges to slice with, edges to cut with, and edges to trim with if need be. When I pulled up the quarter tail bottoms of my shirt, she peered in real close and began poking and prodding with shivering cold instruments. I could feel my unsightly back and the extra skin that formed outside of my notice. I could feel Keeney examining the flesh as it began to curl, the mound of it resting at the small of my traitorous, retreating, unsightly back. Now that flesh all but shivered and squirmed when those frigid metal instruments were brought to bear. But that wasn't the end of it. No, sir. That strange, dirty, singing, grime-clad and encrusted neighbor of mine began to giggle. Oh my, she said. Oh, indeed. Like she was marveled by the lump of flesh that quirked and dipped and re retracted from her poking and prodding advances. What's going on back there? I asked. But it did me no good. As the investigating woman just continued to caw and to coo. It was as if she was tickled. It was as if she'd been finked. And then when I thought that I had had just enough of this whole ordeal. She bit me. Yes, she bit me. Her teeth sunk in deep. She fastened large, moist lips around the flesh on my unsightly back. I swear it was like a kissing sound, the noise that alerted me that something questionable was in fact happening. Her mouth was quite warm. Her tongue was quite wet and I could feel her trace circles all over that lump, that lump of my unending flesh, my unsightly back. But none of those sensations prepared me for what came next, when her perfectly stained lipstick teeth sunk deep into my very unsightly back. She was testing me, or testing the flesh more likely, biting and chewing and grinding her molars back and forth over and over, like it was fat like it was gristle, like it was savory and delicious. But why? Was this part of her therapy? The procedure that my dad had spoken of so affordably positive? Such that I couldn't resist calling up to her? I had to know. So I stayed to find out. But it wasn't as if I could leave. In the way that I was now fastened, flattened out, sprawling, with gurgling folds of my unsightly back lodged in her mouth. Around the pain, I felt this whole experiment should stop, but not before I could reconcile the simply absurdity of what was happening. But by then it was too late, for what I felt next was her releasing the biting hold. My flesh went numb and cold, and if I could but turn and look, I would find her perched over me, with a large syringe now poised from fingers covered in oversized yellow rubber gloves, the needle of which she pressed firmly into my unsightly back. 
Well, I cried out in pain and surprise as it stuck me deep just above my spine. Between the folds of my skin, the needle sunk in deep. In reaction to the puncture, all of the flesh began to puff out and expand, like filling a ball with air from an old bike pump. Whatever vile concoction was in that syringe was now at work numbing the pain and warping my senses. On Keeney's face, a wicked smile grew, which summoned forth a tongue the color of red velvet. It ran across large, spreading, smiling lips from cheek corner to cheek corner and back again. Then her flesh began to warm in the folds of her face. The pallor of her skin grew more wholesome and flushed from its usual unhealthy white, as if it had been blanched from the large exam room lights of her apartment. Now it changed right before my eyes, orange and yellow pools of gold and rich blush across her cheeks. It was as if her facade changed from a marred pale porcelain to a smooth, radiant sunburst, all in the ticking seconds of my beating heart, which seemed to grow more sluggish by the moment, the beats like the clicking of an oversized clock, one that I found on the wall, a garish smiling reflection of a grimace, almost supremely painful in the extent in which its glaring clock face contorted before my very eyes. Her eyes were still hidden behind the goggles, filled in with bright blue where the lenses transformed her pupils into remarkable cat's eyes jewels. Her hair writhed and wriggled as if worms and snakes had replaced the very follicles. Keeney's hair turned from a stark black to a sea green as it seemed to conform to an enchanting dance. Then she began to sing. But this wasn't the shrill, disjointed shrieking that was strangled to death in the building's pipes. This was a hypnotic lullaby, like a cat's meow in reverse, and rapidly repeated. An accompaniment of cherubs then surrounded her with sitars to echo her uniquely disturbing voice as it squealed peculiar notes never heard by human ears, to which my eyes followed in a hypnotic rhythm that made me listless, my head heavy and burdensome. I grew tired of the lift of my eyelids and eyelashes, which caused them to close alongside my nodding permission. Everything began to blur, and my vision turned to the black of slumber. You've been listening to My Very Strange Neighbor and My Very Unsightly Back. Written and read by Matt Herzberg. Copyright January 18th, 2016. For the rest of this story, and more like it, visit www.distinctpoplar.com.